Welcome. You're listening to Eclectically Beautifully Random Kitchen Table Talk. Okay, lovelies, I have some beautiful news for you. Have you ever thought about starting your very own podcast? Anchor FM has an amazing app. It's completely free to start. Their creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast from your phone or your computer. Anchor FM will also distribute your podcast for you. You can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Everything you need in a podcast in one place. Make sure you lovely scope it out because Anchor FM is an amazing way to start your own podcast. So lovelies, let's do this. This is Electically Beautifully Random, where we talk about random things. And my name is Anya, and this is Nikki1111. So today's topic is about how do you know who you really are if you're always putting a mask in front of society? How do you, like, you're always, I notice that people are always complaining about, oh, this person's fake, this person is not really who they say they are, but are you really who you say you are? Are you honestly telling people your opinion or what you think that they want to hear? I feel like in our society, we're being conditioned to tell a beautiful lie instead of being honestly truthful. What do you think, Nikki? Um, well, something that comes to mind to me is the idea of just telling a lie. Um, you know, you think about, you know, we're going into the holidays and you know kids are raised basically on these fairy tales and they're you know they basically lie so you know you start off with santa claus you know the easter bunny the tooth fairy and so you're priming children not to understand the truth early on and it's just kind of interesting. So that's what came to mind when you talked about, you know, when you said the word lie. So it almost makes me think that early on we're being conditioned to not to speak the truth. And then maybe our environments are not safe enough for us to be able to speak the truth. So that's where I'm, that's where I'm going with that. You know, just as kid, as little kids. That's a good point. Like when you think about it, you are taught to believe in Santa Claus and that somebody's gonna come down and give you all these presents. That's not your parents, but your parents are the ones that are giving it to you. And they are the ones when you get older, are real. you realize that they lied to you and you're supposed to okay with that lie like there was no reason to lie about this yet mm-hmm. it's me also think about you know slavery and how when people like I was up north for a while and people there will call a spade a spade but then when you go down to the south you have to like find you know little ways you know context clues to realize that somebody isn't for this or for that 
because during slavery times, you would get like hurt or, you know, Jim Crow times or any of those times actually speaking your truth. So when you don't like something somebody says, you just tell them, bless your heart. Mm-hmm. And that could mean anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's kind of interesting. That it's like that. The, di- the differences between the North and the South and the East Coast and the West Coast. Um, and definitely on the East and the North, people just... You know, they just kind of speak the harsh truth a lot of times. Yeah, so, huh. But it's very insidious to me to not be honest with what you... To me, at least Trump, you knew Trump was an asshole. You know, it was right there. He didn't hide it. But then you have all these other politicians that, you know, hid their hand and they would do undermining awful things and nobody called them out on it because they spoke sweetly. Yeah. Right. It's so true. Um, so, you know, I think that if you, so you look at politicians um and you know politicians are known to be liars and not to tell the truth and you know that's that's a given but then you look at you know individuals who tell lies <laughs> it's like most people lie and so the question would be why do we lie and why do we pro- project out this facade that we tend to hide behind? Like, what is that about? And I think it starts off as little kids. And, you know, so I was having this conversation with a friend today. And it was kind of interesting because uh, we were talking about um, the death of one of my relatives and how and basically how, you know, when she passed away, she wasn't necessarily a so-called nice person when she was alive. And when she passed away, right before she passed away, there was drama. And so you get these people that, you know, they create so much drama, so much conflict in their families. And sometimes they, you know, they leave, they leave the earth like that. And so we were just having a conversation about uh, why she was like that, you know, and it was kind of interesting because I was actually speaking the truth about the nature of her personality in a respectful way. But as I was talking about her, my best friend was trying to whitewash what I was saying. So instead of me speaking the truth, she had a very hard time dealing with the truth. And so therefore she had to project back to me 
a justification for this relative's behavior. And um, so it got me to thinking about just being a child, a little kid, when you may tell your parent, you know, before you have your guards up, before you, you know, have your armor on to deal with the world, as a child, you may say, a child may come to you and say, mommy or daddy, I feel X, Y, and Z. And then that parent, instead of accepting what that child said, the parent will project onto the child their perceptions and say, oh no, baby, that's not it. So, you know, I don't know how many times that has happened. Like, you know, you little, you try to tell your parents something and they tell you that's not what it is. They tell you that that's not what it is and they tell you something else. And so it got me to wondering why do people do that? So it's not just, you don't know how to tell the truth, but a lot of people don't, they can't handle the truth. It's just interesting. I don't know what they you think about can't handle the truth. It is disturbing and it's gaslighting. You know, there's so many elements of people being taught that what their reality is isn't what their reality is. Like when you go to the doctor and the nurse says that it'll sting a bit when they give you a shot and you're like, and it hurts. It hurts. Or something else like a procedure will just have pressure. Some you'll have a procedure done, and they say that oh, there'll be a bit of pressure, but the truth is, it hurts. It's pressure with hurt, and then they keep on going forward until they're done with their procedure. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. It's like, why can't you just say this is going to be sucky for a split second and <laughs> just tell the truth instead of yeah. minimizing it and downplaying it? You know, and it's like you're thinking to yourself, do you know what hurt is? Because that to me felt like hurt, but you're telling me that it's not hurt. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but back to the thing of, well, I guess society's teaching us not to be who we're, we're teaching all, ourselves and everybody else not to be themselves. Be, because sometimes it can be dangerous because people don't want to know the truth about things. But it's to the point that it's small bits of things throughout the day and it's just develops to bigger things. Like small things like Christmas and Santa Claus. Then it's the bigger things in the world that we all know about that we can't talk about. <laughs> but I guess it comes down to we're taught to internally censor ourselves and outwardly censor ourselves. Exactly. So, yeah, so we taught that early on, um, you know, basically being programmed not to speak the truth. And sometimes, you know, um, you know, 
we tend to, well, I mean, let's call it, say what it is. It's just basically being dishonest. Um, and sometimes we're dishonest because we don't want to hurt a person's feelings. You know, you know, especially if somebody asks us, oh, do you like this dress? You know, you might be like, this dress is ugly <laughs> in your mind. But you'll be like, oh, you know, well, do you like it? <laughs> or you'll be like, oh, it's fine. And it may not be to you. Um, so this is interesting. It's really interesting. Yeah. I liked um, something that Whoopi Goldberg said one time. She said that if you can see uh if you can see that spot stain on your shirt and you're asking if other people can see it, then other people can see it. You know, if you don't like the way you look in that outfit and you have to ask, do you look fat in that outfit, then maybe it's not the right size for you. You're not fat. It's just that you need to go um a comfortable size for yourself because that's not the right dress for you. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I think, you know, when I think about this whole idea and the truth and, you know, projecting the fake self into, you know, your, re you know, our reality, because everybody or a lot of people project their representative you know, they say representative, like, you know, when you meet somebody and you might be attracted to them, you may present to them the best aspects of yourself and you will not share with them some of your darker secrets because you don't want them to be turned off from who you might really be. So it's almost kind of like you're projecting out this fake self. And we see it throughout the reality, throughout our, you know, throughout our society on the individual level, you know, you've got the influencers, they're projecting out this image of perfect bodies, perfect hair, perfect, you know, routines and everything, perfect mates and whatnot. And it's just not real, you know, or, you know, you've got, you know, fake friends, fake, fake lovers, you know, everything is fake. And I think we're reaching this point now where everything is being brought to the light. Like everything is being revealed for what it really is. And um, I think we've reached a point in our society right now where you know, there has been this division of my truth versus your truth or our truth versus their truth. And uh, it's pretty deep. I think it's pretty deep. And I think for those of us who are pushing ourselves to wanting to know the truth, um, it's taken a lot out of us to be able to do it. And I don't know if you have any thoughts about that. Wanting to know the truth? I don't know. 
I mean, of course, I, I want to know the truth, but I saw this meme where somebody was like one guy, he was he was standing over this number that said nine and the other person said six because they were on the other side. And it's like they were both right. They were just on they were just looking at it from a different point of view. Exactly. And, and I get that point where you can have those type of truths going on, but there are other truths out there that are just too obvious. And it's like, I don't know. And it makes everything like, if this person was so wrong, why does it offend you so much? Why does it become so aggressive? Why does it have to resort to name calling and stuff like that? Yeah. Just to prove that you're the right one. And it could be on either side, you know, people thinking that they're superior in thinking this way or that way. Facts are facts and flinch not. I remember that quote from somewhere, but I don't know where I got that from. But it also makes me think of this book. Um, I always wanted to read it, but I never seemed like I could sit still long enough to actually read this book. But I love the premise of it. It's called The Particular Sadness of Lemon Cake. And this woman, whenever she ate anything that anybody touched, she would feel their emotions. Even the flour. If people, um, you know, the workers who actually touched the flour, she knew their whole life story and everything, knowing all their secrets. And even knowing your mom's secrets, you know, that sometimes she you're you annoy her or you scare her because you know more stuff you know about her her mom you know your daughter knows you more because you know of that power you have it's intimidating and and it's like how do you honestly love someone when you know everything about them how can you how can completely be you, you know? How can you honestly love someone when you know everything about them? And how can they honestly love you if you know, if they know everything about you? Well, does that make any sense? Well, it does. Well, it does. And I think, and it just depends on, you know, I think it just depends on the scenario because... The truth is, I think, or more closer to the truth, at least, you know, from how I perceive it, is that people don't really know each other. Because they may know historical events, mm -hmm. but, you know, I think that people don't know the true essence of, of somebody's inner world. Because some of it is they don't want to know maybe they don't care they don't ask but everybody has a complex inner world and the only way that we can communicate our inner worlds with each other is through language and the language itself is just jacked up 
it is very limiting to me. So I think that the whole problem with misunderstanding, misunderstandings and the whole concept of love is that people don't even know who they are dealing with. And that's even with, you know, parents and children, lovers, siblings, you know, relatives, friends, and that we're not projecting out in our reality the truth. Because I mean, it's either, it could either be we're not in touch with our true feelings. We don't want to hurt other people's feelings. We don't want people to think that they're, we're rude or that we're mean or that, you know, we got twisted thoughts or whatever it is. And so we hide all of that stuff. And what, and then what ends up happening when we hide everything is it plays itself out anyway through our perceptions. I mean, how, how many times have miscommunications occurred and people are not asking each other questions and they're making all of these assumptions and, you know, it's just, you know, it's just really, you know, just a source of conflict. And you can see it going on right now. I mean, people are feuding. There's major conflicts right now in families with friends and family members are not talking to each other and people who've known each other forever are not speaking and, you know, so it's really a mess. And I think part of it is nobody understands the truth. Nobody's speaking from a truthful place where it's respectful and nobody knows what's going on in somebody else's mind because people are not asking enough questions. Um, and I think a lot of times people just don't really care. That could be it. I think it we're built to not really ask questions too. Like there's an annoyance in asking too many questions. And then also, not just annoyance, it's like, well, don't ask that question that is, you know, that's disrespectful. You can't do that. You, can't, you know, you want to be polite. You know, when children, you know, young children, they'll ask like so many questions to strangers and stuff like that. And we're taught, oh, you can't ask that question. Yeah, that's so true. So we need to go back to being curious and not um, taking it as, you know, being offended by a question. But I think that that's more of an American situation because there are, you see people in other countries, they'll ask bl blunt questions to each other and it's okay. It's not oh, my feelings are hurt. And I used to get upset about that, looking at people always making fun of people talking about their feelings and stuff like that. But now I see that you can't let your feelings always get in the way of what's going on in reality. I mean, be mindful of people's emotional well-being, but also don't excuse that from actually getting to the truth of the matter. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I liked this um, show called Star Trek Next Generation. Drumheads episode season four, episode 21. And Picard gave these really epic speeches and stuff like that on them. And speeches are soliloquies. I hope I'm saying that word right. Mm -hmm. And one was really um, cool where it was like, with the first, with the first link unchained or something like that. Let me something about how the first time any man's freedom is trodden on or censored, we're all damaged. Mm -hmm. And I don't know who had the first freedom trodden on. It doesn't really matter. It's just that we're all damaged by it. We're all bind to it. And at the end, he was talking about how people cloak themselves in good deeds in order for you to, in order for them to have their nefarious plans to go about. So the price we pay to have the freedom in uh, to speak openly with one another and everything like that would be vigilance, always keeping in mind, you know, that there's somebody out there that's that will, you know, cloak themselves and and make them seem like they're a good person. But underneath, they got sinister plans and we must pay that price. But it, it looks like we stopped paying the price because of fear. Right. You know? With 9-11, we, no, go back to Columbine. What about Columbine? With earshot, you couldn't talk about earshot. Right. I mean, not earshot. Okay, but Vampire Slayer, they um they took it off the book, saying that because of Columbine massacre, we couldn't play um but Vampire Slayer. So people are like, okay, that sucks. I wish that they would play it, but they didn't play it. But then they went and said that 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 the episode what was the episode graduation was not going to be played because you know the students were going to be fighting you know at the graduation and that would inspire other kids to do the same thing at their graduation so they said that they were not going to play that episode at all either that would be in the vote wb would put that in the vote but i don't know put that in the vote and that's when Sarah Michelle Geller said that this is showing signs of censorship. You know, because nine, nine, not nine, 11, 1999, there was a big year of, you know, because of that massacre, they took off, they were trying to take off Leonardo's, I think that's his name, take off um, basketball, the promised land from CBS, and they were, um, I don't know. Am I boring you? I hope this um, podcast isn't boring. <laughs> you are not boring me. I mean, you're talking. You're explaining it. Okay. So, so that out, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, 
1999, they did all of that. And they said that we couldn't um, wear trench coats anymore. If you were a Drusilla fan or a Spike fan from Buffy, apparently it just gave other people to be bullies to you because kids that you didn't know did something horrible. And apparently these kids wore brown uh, trench coats and the other ones, the gothic kids were wearing the black ones. But for some reason, they said people like them would be the ones to shoot up the school and stuff like that. And, you know, they were lone wolves. And, you know, T Timothy McVeigh, the one that did that thing on, you know, the Oklahoma bombings, he was a lone wolf. And then there were other lone wolves before 9-11 happened, even though 9-11 isn't a lone wolf attack. Arlington Road came out that year. It's a movie about lone wolves. And the truth of the matter that they're not lone wolves is an organization. A, I think it was like secret government organization where they actually purposely, you know, destroyed, you know, events or have major like scary events. But they would always say at the end of these terrifying events where they hurt people that they were either dead or they were caught or whatever in order for the public to feel safe. And then they would go back to business as usual. Once that was done, people would go back. Yeah, they would go back to business as usual. But then another thing happened, you know. And then another thing, and it was always this thing where we were always under pressure. I didn't feel the pressure back then with, you know, McVeigh and the, you know, the children, because I was so young, I didn't even notice it. But I noticed Columbine because they they took my show away. And I was very, very upset. You know, this is a elementary child being really highly upset, not really understanding, you know, how big that situation is. But that is a start. And then it just seems like it just kept on going. Like Al Gore and the news just kept on talking about it. And then you got sick of it because that was the first time we ever had a situation where they talk constantly about a topic over and over. And it wasn't a celebrity. And I got sick of the celebrity stuff too. And then it was like, okay, they picked Bush. I'll let it go. But Al Gore won. He had the popular votes, and it was his brother that did that whole thing with with Florida. I mean, you thinking that suspect, and nobody's not calling a spade a spade. And I felt like we were on some level being censored from, you know, really talking about that. Even inauguration, a lot of people got hurt violently protesting that. You know, the actual government staff, or not the government staff, I'm not going to say that, but it was like some officials were beating those people, you know, who were protesting. And that was horrible. And there's video footage of that. And then next year, it was 9-11. And they said that the reason why 9-11 happened was because they didn't have efficient evidence. And it was just on and on. We talk about 9-11 till this day. And then ant anthrax. You know, the D.C. sniper, Katrina. Then it's like we got a little bit of relief with Obama saying that, um, yes, we can. And it's like, finally, something good is going to happen. But then on the his day that he got into office, he bombed, a, he bombed a country. And it was like, we're never going to, like, have the promise of the potential of what America could be instead of, you know, 
it's just going to be this big old bully that threatens the whole world. And everything just got worse and there would be more propaganda and more pressures of showing more school shootings. And and it's like it was a humming in the air after Trump won where you knew something big was coming. You could feel it. Couldn't you feel it? Yeah, well, I think I think what you're discussing is multiple layered things. So one would be, you know, going back to what you said about the Columbine shooting and the association of trench coats. So you have a situation with these boys with guns, obviously bullied, you know, if you believe the narrative and probably something going home, going on at home, you know, with parents, you know, ignoring kids, maybe their cry for help, you know, very, very complex situation that would allow children to shoot other children. And then, so you have it where you have a spin with reality and, you know, the justification for that, rather than digging into the deep complex psychology of that, it's overly simplified with an association of trench coats. Well, kids wearing trench coats ain't killing kids because they weren't a trench coat. It's much, much deeper than that. Um, but, you know, so that sets up, you know, a situation where there's a crisis and then there is a reaction to it um, and a so-called solution to it that doesn't even scratch the surface of what's really going on. So if we tag it on to the beginning of what we talked about, about the truth and what, you know, and reality, well, there is a play on the real with these major events. And um, yeah, so I think that there is a play on the reality. And um, people are not being, you know, people are not privy to the reality of what's really, really going on with these events. And as you talked about, you know, the whole thing with 9-11, and this conspiracy that surrounds 9-11. So there was this big event that happened, a reaction to it, um, an oversimplified reason for why it happened, and then the solution. And the solution to that was the Patriot, Patriot Act and all this legislation that took place. Um, that was supposed to protect and defend the people, but that was probably far from the truth because what came out of that, that whole situation was you, you, they implemented, you know, the TSA in the airports, you know, everybody had to take off their shoes and could only carry four ounces of liquid 
on their carry-on at any given time and be scanned through metal detectors and whatnot. Um, and then you had um, a play on, you know, that the reality is not a safe place. That, you know, you could be sitting in a movie theater going to high school or even on a plane, you know, traveling on a vacation and somebody can just, you know, literally go postal, you know? So it sets up this notion that the world that we live in, the reality that we're in is not safe. And that Big Brother will provide the solutions to make the reality a safer place. So then we get into the next concept and that is the illusion of Big Brother, that he can provide safety to the masses of people. But then there's a, there's a catch to that because all of the legislation and the reactions and the solutions typically serve just a few people and the masses have to pay the price for it. So the masses have to say, go through a metal detector when they go into any federal building or they're going through metal detectors, they're having their stuff scanned to get on a plane. And the very people who so-called created these solutions do not have to abide by the same rules as the masses. And then if you follow these money, the money trail to all of this to see who stood to make the most money out of implementing these solutions? It's usually just a few key players. It's usually just a few. And then that to me brings up this whole idea of, an, of the illusion of a society and what is the truth. And, you know, and we have so many people that make up the society that's not willing to look at the truth, to, to, to discover what is the reality. You know what I'm saying? Like they're not willing to, 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 to look, to take a look at it or even to have critical thoughts as to why, why these things are happening. It's always some kind of event, a reaction, and then a solution. And the solution is never, once the solution gets implemented, there is no regulatory oversight as to whether the solution is even a good one or not. Because the solution is usually implemented in the form of legislation. So that gets us into this whole idea of living in a supposedly democrat, uh, you know, a democratic society and this whole concept of democracy and what does that mean? And then the reality, because you've got concepts and ideologies that we're always talking about, like capitalism, democracy, you know, freedom of speech, freedom to bear arms, some of these things that are supposed to be in our constitution. But then you have the real, the actual reality of what's taking place. And they're two different things. 
they're two different things. So, you know, like, you know, you were talking about, I don't know, something about, I can't remember what you were talking about, but something like, um, you'll have like a group that will present themselves as a good solution. And the concept sounds good, but when you peel back the layers, it's not really addressing the real problem. So a good example of that would be, you've got some of these philanthropic, supposedly organizations that will go to third world countries with, you know, certain programs. And these programs rarely ever address the real problem, you know, within these, within these particular societies. So a good example of that, and I know this is going to be controversial, but a good example of that is like child vaccination in third world countries to prevent disease in children. Well, when you look at these third world countries and you peel back the layers as to what is the main thing that's responsible for these childhood diseases, and you may find, oh, well, children are dying from infectious diarrhea because they're basically drinking the water that raw sewage runs into and they bathe and drink out of the same source. Well, instead of these so-called philanthropic organizations coming into these communities and setting up a scenario in which people have clean water, that's the real problem. Instead, they'll have a solution by say vaccinating children when it does not fix the original problem in the first place, that problem still persists. And it allows these organizations or a few individuals to profit off of the majority of the people. And we never hit or never get down to the core of the reality of what's taking place. So the solution never addresses the real problem. And it's just, to me, a way of just blindsiding the, you know, a community that would be conscious enough to even ask questions, but they don't. And so it's frustrating to me, um, but we can see it, you know, throughout, especially in the Western world, you know, like another one that just, you know, just gets me going is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So we got pink ribbons, you know, race for the cure, acknowledging, you know, survivors or people who had lost the so-called battle. Um, and we have this recognition of October as Breast Awareness Month, but nobody is addressing what is really causing this problem in the first place. And it's primarily environmental toxicities. 
And we never get down to the core of the environmental toxicities, you know, but we whitewash all of that into fundraisers that never deal with the problem in the beginning. You know, and it's just, it just blows me away. And that's just the whole, the whole, to me, the whole Western, you know, world is built on that, that the solutions benefit a few who stand to profit for them. And it never really addresses the real problem. Just gives us superficial problems. She said that once. Solutions are problems, whichever one. It's frustrating. It really, really is. Yeah. I guess the point I'm trying to understand that we're just living in a bowl of deception from inside out, and it just go and it's just layered upon layers upon. It's all up in the mix, and I don't even know how to get out of it or or get a, away from it. I mean, I know how. Keep on telling your truth, but how do you tell the truth without being disrespectful? And isn't that that could be another topic? But the thing is, how do you how do you even know what you are? Because you have all of this stuff to question on you know and ponder while you're trying to figure out who are you behind all the deceptions too yeah i think that's a good question i think once you realize that you know that the society itself is built on you know a premise of concepts and ideologies and these concepts and ideologies are supposedly decided upon the majority, but it's just not really the truth. It is um, created by those that are in power and that people have, are given an illusion that they elect their leaders um, and that their leaders will, will serve them um, but I think it's just an illusion because um, there are way too many examples in which, you know, we have these organizations that are supposed to be consumer based, but they really, they really cater to the corporations and there are like so many conflicts of interest. So once you realize that the society that you're in, that you live in is an illusion then you can bring that to the illusions or delusions of your individual reality and how much of the reality that you actually live in your own bubble, how much of that is based on the real versus concepts and ideologies that start when we're little, when we're babies. When we're told, you know, don't lie, but your parents is lying to you about Santa Claus. I mean, it's a lie. You know what I'm saying? So, or you're told certain things, you know, you know, 
it starts off like, you know, I remember when I was little and, you know, I don't know, somebody would go be ringing the doorbell and I can remember my mother saying, you know, oh, say I'm not here, you know, so, you know, they do. <laughs> or you answer the phone and they tell you not to answer the phone, but then you do. And they'd be like, and you stop. I'm not here. And they'd be mouthing and you'd be like, oh, what? Oh, oh, no, she's not here. <laughs> yeah, you say, oh, my mama said to tell you that she's not <laughs> like dang it and they take the phone and then they slam they snatch it from you it's like what you know because you, you were supposed to lie yeah you know and you know i think it starts there really delving into how much of your programming that you received and just your immediate family and extended family, how much of that was based on the truth and how much of that was based on concepts, ideologies, delusions, illusions. Because if you can't get to the truth and try to project out an authentic self without doing the work on yourself. Because unfortunately, a lot of families, especially black families have dealt with a lot of trauma and a lot of, you know, I'm gonna say mental illness within the families that with every subsequent generation, it has just degraded. And so in order to heal from all of that, there has to be an acknowledgement because a lot of families and a lot of families, and I'm talking about my own, there was a mission, you know, mental, emotional, physical abuse. And some of the family members, you know, and the extended family members, there was sexual abuse that was hidden and not talked about. You know, it was that one relative, that one uncle who drank too much, you know, cousin on drugs, you know, you know, on crack, whatever. And all of these things were like swept under the rug and nobody addressed them as if you could just go to church on Sunday and pray all that shit away. But it just never happened. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It just, no, because nobody wanted to talk about it. Nobody wanted to address it. So it, it takes the person to want to know their own personal truth and to basically, you know, make the decision to understand oneself, why, why we all do what we do consciously and unconsciously, and then go from there. And that, you know, ultimately to know thyself is the hardest thing to do. And that is, you know, because so many of us are identified with all of our labels, you know, like I'm a mother, I'm a sister, you know, I'm an aunt, I'm a grandmother or, a, you know, whatever. 
and or your your whatever you do for your career because that's what society says you know you know you've got to have a career and you're so you're whatever your title is you know whatever that is and then you know so you have to peel back all mm -hmm. of those you like an onion get rid of all that stuff to find out who are you who are you for real and what have you told yourself that was a delusion illusion lies I can think of a few, you know, for myself that I've really had to get real deep with because see, when I was growing up, I basically was told directly to my face and indirectly that, you know, oh, you know what you did, it was good, it was okay. Or maybe it wasn't even acknowledged. So you know, you get programmed with what you're doing is never good enough. So you spend the majority of your life trying to prove that you're good enough. Or it could be the opposite. You know, you spend all of your life just, you're not shit anyway, so you might as well not do shit. You know, so it's just, it's complicated. So how do you get down to the heart of your own programs? that were laid down, you know, laid down by family members. How do you get down to the truth of who you really are? Because until you know what that is, you can't project out an authentic self. Yeah, because you don't know who you are. Who you don't am even I know who you are. Without you. Exactly. Uh, okay, this makes me think of an episode <laughs> of Buffy when um, Whistler came to town and he said that bottom line is the big moment's going to come, but it's what you do afterwards that count. That defines who you really are. You'll see what I mean. Right, and even that, what does that mean? Do you, do you, so do you, so are you defined by what you do after something happens, you know, or can you just be who you are regardless of what's, I mean, you could just be who you are just sitting in your own space thinking about things, you know? But it's like when you're tested in life and so unlike those, you'll curveball. How do you face the day? Do you run from it or or do you handle it like a boss? Like, what do you yeah. do? It depends. Because sometimes there might be times where you might have to run away. You know, and sometimes you might need to stand, take a stand. Um, and there might be some times when you have to take a middle ground because I don't think it's all or none. I mean, they I've do. had, to... yeah, go ahead. Oh, it's just that they do get you with that. They always give you like two choices and it's like, well, can I not choose them or can I choose both or both or none of them? Yeah. <laughs> You could choose none of them because 
who's trying to define the real who who thinks that they can define a reality by summing it up with two options i don't care if you got 10 options it still doesn't you know it still to me does not sum up reality I mean, even in quantum physics, they talk about these possibilities, these endless possibilities. I mean, and the possibilities from one micro millisecond to the next is infinite. It's not one or two or three or four or 10. The possibilities from one micro second to the next is infinite. Whether you, you know, yawn or blink an eye or, you know, get up or roll over. I mean, the way you're shaping the reality has infinite possibilities. So it's not this or that. That's only the limitation of the individual that's presenting that to you. And you feel like that is your option. You have to pick one or the other. I mean, so, you know, that for me, that's like, well, who is you? You know, who are you? And why are you only giving me two options? And um, why are we having this discussion? You know, you know, so I don't know. Very good question. Who are you to say that to, uh, mm. to anybody? To anybody who's giving you that authority? And what makes you an authority on this thing? And what have you done in the past to prove that you can be an authority? And what are you hiding? <laughs> you know, it's just like it, you know. And as it relates to what's going on, who have you, what, you know, what deeds have you done that have led to the death of many people? You know, like, why should we trust you, you know? So it's just, it's a mess. <laughs> it is a mess. And I think that this is where we should stop. Always leave your viewers with more questions than answers. <laughs> yeah, right. This is our first episode together on eclectically beautiful, random kitchen table talk. And we'll see you later. Bye. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed the chat today. Nikki Girl is just awesome. See you around again soon. Love you guys. Bye.